there are, excuse me, three facets to the triple jewel or triple treasure that comprise the entirety of Zen Buddhism, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. This morning, I would like to marvel at the living, breathing beauty of this being that is us, the Sangha. And as always, thank you very much, Galen Roshan, for your teachings. I want to revisit the encounter between the Buddha and his attendant, Ananda, when Ananda was remarking on the spiritual life, the practicing of the Eightfold Path. This encounter is from the Abhada Sutra. Ananda remarked to the World Honored One, Lord Buddha, this is half of the spiritual life, admirable friendship, companionship, and camaraderie. The Buddha replied, don't say that, Ananda, don't say that. Admirable friendship, admirable companionship, and admirable camaraderie are the whole of the spiritual life. The Buddha elaborated, when a monk has admirable people as friends, companions, and comrades, they can expect to develop and pursue the Noble Eightfold Path. And by admirable, I mean deserving of respect, approval, admiration, reverence, or affection. The word Sangha means to bring together into a group and is the general word for community in Pali and Sanskrit. According to Tenshin Roshi, from his book, Being Upright, Sangha has at least three levels of meaning. Sangha is harmony. Sangha is the community of those who practice the truth realized by the Buddha. Sangha is the release of suffering from bondage to the world of birth and death. In the immediate context, Sangha simply refers to the community of monks and nuns. In a wider context, Sangha is all those beings we turn to for support, encouragements, and teaching in our practice of Dharma. And this may even include very difficult beings, if and when we have the capacity to encompass them and see them as great teachers. And in the widest sense, Sangha includes all beings and indicates the, quote, harmonious interdependence of all beings. Buddhists across all schools and lineages vow to practice and uphold the triple treasure, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. How? By taking refuge in this triple treasure. How do we take refuge in the triple treasure? We fly back to our Sangha. We find and take protection, sanctuary, and kinship with others. This is the Pali meaning of Sangam Sarnam Gachami. I think that admirable friends, companionships, and camaraderie is none other than this right here, this Sangha that forms the totality of the practice of the Buddha Dharma. The Buddha Dharma is actualized, enacted, and embodied through our relationship with one another, relationship with our Sangha, with our friends and families, and with all the protagonists and antagonists in our lives. And this relational dynamic also extends into all that we relate with, including our own minds, ourselves, and our sense of self. It's how we can know something and each other. We co-arise, co-create, independence upon one another. As such, at times, 
I'm using the word relationship and Sangha interchangeably. The action of this larynx is vibrating through space and time, vibrating tiny little bones and hairs into these ears. And from here, a story can be told from that relationship. This talk is made possible by this co-arising relationship. This Sangha is made possible in a similar way. This unique arrangement or aggregates of form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness is relating to what it perceives to be a self and an other. In fact, this consciousness is relating to and with its own arisen objects. If I am alone in a room sitting Zazen, I am in a relationship with Zazen. And if the sitter happens to fall away, there's just sitting. This is Buddha nature relating with Buddha nature. The Buddha together with the Buddha. Buddha nature and the Buddha's teachings, the Dharma, come into living, breathing, actualization in relationship with one another, within Sangha and as a Sangha. I remember a recent talk from Tenshin Roshi where he pointed out that the practice of cultivating silence and stillness, aka Zazen, is important and yet incomplete without the relationship of a teacher, a mentor, a peer, an admirable person or friend with whom we can clarify with and confide in. These beings who we mutually reflect back upon one another in this investigation, they can give us a nudge toward a better direction, or yank us back from the edge of a cliff, or even model exactly what we shouldn't do or say. <laughs> the great Vietnamese Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh identified some crucial elements that make up a healthy, functioning Sangha. These include acceptance, awareness, harmony, and understanding. These elements could also be called inclusion, mindfulness, empathy, and wisdom. Again, in the widest sense, Sangha includes all beings and all things. And for many of us, this becomes quickly apparent when we practice and work at Houston Zen Center West. The birds, the paintbrushes, walking sticks, and paths are all members of this great Sangha. The Maha Sangha, if you will. This great Sangha is referred to in many sutras, and Thich Nhat Hanh says the following. It is said in the Pure Land Sutra that if you are mindful, then when the wind blows through the trees, you will hear the teachings of the four establishments of mindfulness, the Eightfold Path, and so on. The whole cosmos is preaching the Buddha Dharma and practicing the Buddha Dharma. If you are attentive, you will get in touch with that Sangha. Meditation practice is much easier together with like-minded, with a like-minded community. And whether it's apparent or not, your presence supports my practice and my presence supports your practice. In our Sangha, we can find nourishment, encouragement, motivation, and inspiration. We can see some person and think, I want to carry myself more like they do, or I would like to sew how they sew. I like how they bow. 
and I want to know some of the things that you all know. As Sangha, we all reflect back upon one another. We become mutually supportive, and we smile and laugh a lot more than when we try to go it alone. In some traditions, there is a time and place for reclusive and solitary practice. And as Tenshin Roshi has said, that is very important, and yet it is incomplete if that practice lacks the relationship with, of Sangha, teachers, and admirable friends. In our tradition, there are times when we come together and become very still and very quiet. We become very mindful of our bodies and movements and of those around us. We take particular care of our bowls and robes and work tools. We transform work into practice, and that work practice supports the entire Sangha. The nature of our relationship becomes more intimate for some time. And after many hours or days, we again all take refuge in the triple treasure. Tatyanpi Sangam Sarnam Kachami. We may then go back to our families and partners and jobs, back into other relationships, strengthened and encouraged by the time we spent together. And if you're so inclined, we, we're going to be doing just that on September 17th, as Vicki mentioned. Harmony, acceptance, awareness, and understanding are the essence of Sangha, according to Thich Nhat Hanh. He also includes love as the final element of a healthy Sangha. There is a woman, an African-American Buddhist woman, who holds the title, the queen of rock and roll. She has many names. She was Auntie Entity in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> she was born Anna Mae Bullock, and you may recognize her as Tina Turner. <clears throat> Excuse me. Miss Turner once asked us, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> As it concerns Sangha and practice, love has everything to do with it. <laughs> a few years ago, Tina Turner was interviewed by Tricycle Magazine. This was back in 2020 when so much suffering was being uncovered and created. The interviewer asked her basically, how do we work with all this suffering and divisiveness? And Tina responded from her five decades of Buddhist practice, I believe the remedy for divisiveness is to cultivate and spread compassion for all living beings. It seems so many, in so many places, there's a drought of love and kindness these days. I think that answer came to Tina Turner as easily as reaching for a pillow in the middle of the night, born from great personal suffering and great liberation. In classic Buddhist teachings, there are four qualities of love, four faces of love that are taught. They are sometimes known as the sublime abodes or the Brahma Viharas. They are loving kindness, compassion, empathy, and equanimity. These four sublime attitudes are all manifestations of love. Now, I define love as simply unconditional acceptance of self and other, and unconditional compassion for self and other. Boundless compassion, boundless love. Without these qualities, without harmony, awareness, acceptance, acceptance understanding, and love, what does that sound to look like? 
Anything called love that involves clinging, lost confusion, neediness, fear, or grasping in Buddhist terms is seen as an expression of bondage or limitation. What does practice look like devoid of these loving qualities? I, not pretty, I imagine. A selfish, uncaring, icy, joyless sangha is no sangha at all. And what would practice, what would be the point of practice? What would it look like? So words are words, and we're free to use them at will. That being said, I wonder how it is for you. What do you consider to be essential qualities of a thriving sangha? What ingredients would you like to add? I'd actually want to hear in Q and A what you what you what your feelings are. Maybe inclusion, kindness, trust, and patience. Maybe it's warmth, humor, or safety. What does taking refuge in sangha mean to you? What do you like or even cherish when we practice together as a community? It may be something small and simple, like sipping coffee on the porch during a session, or maybe it's something bigger that allows your heart to fully open and embrace everyone and everything. Thank you.